Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Wonderful. What's up, Hope Brooklyn? What is up, Hope Brooklyn? Hey, woo. <laughs> awesome. Um, cool. So I woke up this morning, um, like... Well, you have one of those mornings where it's like your, your legs don't quite work, so you have to kind of like pull yourself along the ground into the bathroom to brush your teeth and do all that stuff, right? I was mad tired throughout this. I, I'm surprised that I made it here, uh, to be honest. Um, and I think part of that, part of that is um, I, I've been doing church my entire life. I'm like, my dad was a pastor, his dad was a pastor, all my siblings are pastors and stuff. I was, I I grew up in this mug, right? So I know, um, I know the church thing. I did it and I did it and I did it. And at some point, I feel like there's a loss of expectation on my heart of what God could do when I stepped into this space. Um, Things started to get really, really normal. Um, and that makes it hard, it makes it hard to show up sometimes, to see the same thing over and over again. As somebody, I get bored really easily, <laughs> right? I need things to shake up. If you ever play a game with me and it's, a, and it's going well, I would do something to mess it up, <laughs> just, to, just so that things can spice up a little bit, right? Um, and that can be dangerous at times. Um, but I don't know, there is something about um, what Russ was just saying about um, testing God right? Um, Testing that the promises that he says that um, he's here to meet us and there's something really good here, something life-changing, to test him in that. Um, And I'm I'm really excited to try that out, right? I'm working on that spirit of expectation in my heart, and I hope that you'll step into that with me, all right? So let's pray before um, before we roll on with this. Father, thank you so much um, for being a parent um, for, uh, for, dealing, for dealing with me, for dealing with us as we move um, through, through this world. So confused sometimes, um, right? Um, hella ignorant at other times, right? We make so many mistakes, Lord, but your grace and your love has never failed us, Lord. And that's not something that I, I think I can get tired of. Lord, I'm so, so thankful for the work that you have done in my heart that you're doing in this community that we get to partner together with you in. Lord, and I pray that you set on each one of our hearts in this room a spirit of expectation of the miracles that you have for us, um, the, the good life, the, the full life, the living water that you promised, God, that it's supposed to change the way that we see everything, Lord. I pray for that. I pray that every morning we wake up and we're like, yes, let's do it again, God. Let's do it again, that we go to our friends and our family to work wherever it might be. And we say, yeah, one more time, one more time, God, let's do this together. Lord, you are so, so good. Um, And we are so excited. We are so excited to meet you today in the word through worship and with each other. Amen. Amen. All right. So sermons. Sermons can be long. <laughs> um, so I was, uh, as I was writing this, I was stressed because I was like, I think this is too short. I'm going to be up there for like 20 minutes. And then I was printing out the paper and I was like, oh, okay, so like 10 peaches, 11 pe- Okay, awesome. So we'll see if we get out of here um, <laughs> and we'll go. But that's, that's how you know this, this spirit is moving, I guess, when there's sweat on your chair. Um, cool. So 
Good morning. <laughs> um, it's super awesome to be here. Um, it's really great to see old and new faces. This is uh, absolutely wonderful. Um, if you are new, my name's Joseph. I'm the youth pastor here at Hope Brooklyn. Um, and let me tell you, like, wh- however you got here today, like, if somebody, like, literally dragged you by the foot like a friend, or you stumbled across one of our signs outside, or, or the website, or you heard about us elsewhere, um, I just got to let you know, you've you stumbled onto something really special here at Hope Brooklyn. Um, Hope Brooklyn's a, a really new church. Sometimes I forget. It's like two years old. It is literally a toddler. Can't even talk good yet, right? So it's, it's so fresh, and yet it's incredible how, um, how much of a family this feels like, right? Sometimes, that's something that I... It feels like it should take so much longer to make. And, and I feel like that's just testament to the work that God is doing. Because I don't think that people, I don't think that people do that. In fact, we usually mess stuff up <laughs> really, really soon, um, right? But there's, there's something about this community and where people are feeling seen, um, people are serving. We have incredible numbers of people who are uh, serving on a team, right? People who are, are tithing, who feel like this is their home. That's, that's huge, right? So if you're new, welcome. Right? This is where it's at. Things are, things are going. This is, this is really, really awesome. And I'm, I'm super excited to be here. And um, this series, this series is about home. And over the past couple of weeks, we've, uh, you've heard a few things. One, talking about home, what it looks like to come home to Jesus, um, to Christ. And also what it looks like to have home in Brooklyn, um, in, a, in a city that is often transient. Right? We um, kind of expect people to be here for a little bit and then move on. Right? What does it mean to actually have home in this space? And today, we're going to talk about um, what it means to have home at Hope Brooklyn, right, at this church. And we're going to talk more generally about why have a church home at all. Um, because as I, was, as I was doing this and I was thinking, okay, home, church home, why is it important to like not just like hop around to different churches? Why is it important to find a place and be there? Um, and I was like, I don't know, <laughs> right? So I had to do, I had to do a, lot of, a lot of work in this and God was doing a lot of work in my own heart about what does it mean and why is it important? Um, why is this space important? Uh, what does it look like to make this our home? Um, and before we get kind of deeper into that, I think we have to talk about um, home and I also need to turn off my phone. Okay, cool. So we need to talk about what home is to us. Um, and... Uh, you can put up the picture now. This is my home right here. This is, this is my partner, Lucy, and my dog, Nova. And um, this is home for me, as, um, as uh, magnificent as it is, <laughs> all right? Um, because we moved from Minneapolis, um, what was it, like a, like a year and a half ago or, or something like that. Um, and, and so it's been hard to kind of figure out where, we, where is home for us. Like we go back home and we're like, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> and we're walking through Brooklyn and we're like, is this home? I'm not sure, right? So when there's a lot of switching like that, it's helpful for me to think, well, these two, these two right here um, are, are my home. Um, and, that's been, and that's been huge um, for me, um, because um, if you've taken the Enneagram before, I'm an Enneagram three. I am the uh, achiever. So what that means is that I oftentimes define myself by what I'm doing. Um, so when my job changes or the things I spend my time with changes, I'm like, 
who am I? <laughs> you know, it's like, what am I? I? It can get really confusing. I can start to feel really lost. Um, and this is how I know that home, home is an anchoring point for us, right? Because it, throughout all of that, I'm like, oh, I am a husband. That's, that's good. I know, I know this. <laughs> I am a husband. I am the father to a dog, <laughs> right? I, I have to take care of this dog. These are things that I know, right? And, and home for many of us is that kind of anchoring. It's that frame of reference um, because when there are so many things in this world that are vying for our attention, um, for our allegiance, for our time and our energy, right? It's uh, sometimes we can be pulled in so many different places. We don't know where our place is, right? So what I want you to do, all right, we're going to do a little turn and talk. I'm a seventh grade teacher. Um, so the thing you learn about teaching is the less time that you talk and the more you force other people to talk, the better, all right? So you're going to turn and talk to the person next to you. And I want you to, for the next like, um, we'll give you three to four minutes, try to split that time among you. Where is your home? When you think of the word home, what comes to mind? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Go for it.
All right, let's bring it, bring it back. You might have saw me walking around and mingling. I'm a real cool teacher, so just <laughs> hit it up. I wish I had one of those chairs that you can like sit on backwards. I, I forget it. <laughs> let's go. All right, cool. So. Um, that was awesome. I mean, for me, I'm, <laughs> I imagine that for some people, that was the worst thing I could have told you to do, talk to somebody next to you. But thank you, thank you for doing that. Um, but what I think, right, is that wh- who you heard from, chances are you probably learned a little bit about that person, um, right, a little bit more maybe than you knew about them before. I'm, uh, because home is um, our frame of reference and we're all very different. Right, so where we're, what we see as home is going to be different because of that. But I think what will be a common strand between all of them is that they probably didn't just talk about the literal, physical manifestation of their house, right? Somebody describing their home probably didn't say, when I think of home, I think of my doorknob and opening that doorknob and my microwave and so on and so forth. Right? It was probably infused with memory, infused with feeling, infused with people. Right? Um, because I think instinctively we know that home transcends the physical. That it's more than just the physical space that we occupy, but it moves into the emotional and the spiritual as well. There's something about it that is written onto our hearts. Right? So as we talk about where is home for us, you, it's, um, it's a little revealing. Right? We start to show them those, um, those parts of us that are written deep. And I think that's incredible. And it's really awesome also to bring that into that space, to have a bunch of different people talking about their experience of home. Right? I think there's something about that that is, um, that's some good energy. That's, that's good stuff. All right? Uh, cool. So one of the uh, most important characteristics for me as it comes to home is as a place of rest. Right? And this is, um, as for most people, connected to my story. Um, because growing up, I got really good at performances. And, and my, many of the jobs that I do um, look like, kind of like this. Like me standing in front of a bunch of people and um, telling them stuff. Right? If I'm on a stage and I'm performing, I'm thinking, okay, um, is my voice um, dynamic enough? Am I, am I projecting? Um, do I, does, my, does my hair look good? Is my, um, can, is my breath terrible? Am I getting this thought across? Am I portraying this right? As a teacher, it's like, okay, are the students understanding what I'm saying? Um, who needs redirection? Who needs to be like um, encouraged and like uh, given like, good job, well done, you know? Like all these things are constantly running through our heads. Um, and when I meet new people for the first time as well, that also happens. It's just kind of like, did the thing I just say sound uh, super aggressive or really dumb? Um, or is there something in my teeth? God, I hope there's nothing in my teeth right now. Um, and it's like, do they, do they like me? Do they know these things or whatever? And maybe I stress about that a little bit more than, than, than some people as an Enneagram 3. Um, but those are not rest, that's not restful. Right? Um, that the, in those situations, I'm const- it is a performance in many ways. Um, right? But when I think of home, when I think of home, I think peace. Right? Um, like, don't raise hands, but I imagine many of you, when you go home, you're like, the pants are coming off. 
<laughs> right? Or you, so you whip your bra away, right? It's like, there's a freedom, there's a freedom to it. And I, I, I don't think, I think we'll be fine if we never reach that level of comfort here um, at PS261. Um, but but when, we think of, when we think of home, right? It's this place where the performance and the pretense can kind of fall away. Um, when I go home, I, I'm not so worried about whether Lucy thinks my, um, like I'm wearing the right clothes or whatever, like I, that I'm dressed good, right? Um, I'm, not wor- like I'm not worried that Nova's thinking that there's food in my teeth. She honestly would love there's food in my teeth. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, she just, she just like wants me to um, like play tug of war and like slap her butt and, and stuff like that, right? My, my dog, not, not no, it's like, it's like the, um, the, uh, she is red. Um, um, and, and Lucy doesn't need me to be the most like charismatic and smartest person in the room, right? She just needs me to be present and to love her and to love her in that space where we're at, right? And, and there's something so important for me in that, in that to have that place of rest, um, a place where I can, in many ways, just like truly be myself um, and like drop the performance and stuff. And I think in, in history, church has not been that place. Um, I, know, I know for me, like throughout my story, um, church in many ways became and, and looked like a performance. Um, in which you had to like um, put on your church clothes, uh, literally in some cases, um, but also figuratively, you know? I put on the clothes of I've got it all figured out. I know the answer and the answer is Jesus, (laughs) right? Um, Where there isn't like room for, there isn't room for me to doubt or just not believe. Um, And we put on this Christian performance for all the other good Christian performers. And we get really, really good at it. And I think we have generations after generations of churchgoers who got extremely good at it, right? They're, they're good at doing that thing. Um, and in many ways, in many ways, they're good at hiding from there. And I think at its worst, at its worst, that can create this unhealthy and spiritually traumatic space of like judgment and secrecy. Um, at best, it's like, this is nice, but um, there's no actual life change, right? Because you're not actually meeting people. You're meeting the, the, the projection of who they think you want to meet. You're meeting the person that they think they should be, um, rather than uh, being a space where you can drop those things and say, I don't know, right? <laughs> um, and there's so, much, there's so much freedom in even being able to sit up on this stage in front of all of you and, and say, there are days that I don't believe in God. Um, there are days when I'm not so sure that this is the answer. And there are days when I'm, I feel so sure, right? And it feels so rich and, and, and full, right? But, but being able to do that, um, in some ways, it's kind of easier to do it up here on the stage. Even this is like, there's, there's like an invisible barrier between you and me, right? You look up to me, I could dip out of here afterwards. You don't know anything about my life specifically. You're like, the boy's hair is bright. That's nice, right? <laughs> um, but until we get into relationship, you don't actually know me, right? And if I, if I just stick up here at this stage, you'll never get the chance to, right? There's a lot of safety being up here, and we find... Um, safety in this with each other. Um, but I think, 
once you've found a place where you can be vulnerable um, uh, with the people around you, I think that's where Jesus can continue the work in your heart. Um, Jesus is going to meet anywhere, anyone, anywhere, right? Exactly where you're at, no matter what. Salvation is free. It's so, so free. But the full life and, the, and intimacy and closeness, right? The richness that, um, that Jesus offers in the gospels that it is promised, that takes work. It takes, it takes real work. And the first thing, um, it's, it's going to cost you. Right? And the first thing it's going to cost you are the walls that you've built, um, the walls that we have put up. So my question for you is, what walls have you built between yourself and the church home? What walls have you built between yourself and the people that are here? Right? For myself, sometimes the walls, personally, some of the walls that I build in my life are only engaging people from this space, from being up front. Um, by, um, by being up here only and not inviting you into my life, I stay safe. I, I build a wall between us with like a weird guise of, he's so open and so vulnerable. He's doing this in front of us. Mm-mm. <laughs> right? Um, there's, uh, there's, a level, there's a level of performance and hiding that happens when you're up on a stage right? That has to be broken. But for you, what are your walls? What are you putting up? What walls were built by other people, right? We have other people that build walls in um, around us as well. And I think it's important that we name those things so that we can start taking them down. I cannot confront this weird stage dynamic that I have of like this fake vulnerability between me and the, and the crowd. I cannot address that and I cannot fix that if I do not name it, right? If I do not name it. So what walls need to be named in your life so we can start tearing them down so that you can meet with this real beautiful family and to meet um, with Jesus in an incredibly real way. And for some of us, I think um, our barriers um, about church and church home come from a lack of understanding why it's important, right? So like I said, um, I was thinking, why is this important? I don't know, <laughs> right? I, I came up with a bunch of like, there's a bunch of like uh, pithy phrases and things like that that you learn and scriptures that I can point to. But I was like, really, really, why is this important? I got to figure that out. Um, and I think it's really important when we ask these types of questions about church that we go to scripture, right? And not in this just kind of like the Bible has the answers, but it's just the Bible is a library. It's a library of people trying to meet God and writing their experiences down. We have poems, we have, um, we have stories, we have historical accounts, we have whatever. It's all of these things in here of churches passing Paul's letters around and saying, hey, do you, does this work for you? And they're like, I think it works for me. Does this work for you? No, that doesn't work for us. And, and like passing it back and forth, people who are doing, have been doing this work for millennia, right? So, we get to, so I went back into scripture to see if I could find something there. And um, one of the passages that stood out to me um, and often comes up when we, people talk about church is Acts 2, right? The book of Acts. Um, and in this, we get this picture of the early church, right? So one of the first, the first churches of, of Jesus, of Christ, right? This is the Christianity is being born in this space. 
um, and kind of is idealized here. So let's look at Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I just read that. I want you to now read it to yourself, right? Just read through that one, one more time. Uh, sometimes we, we can hide behind a, a voice at the front. I want you to read it once more. All right, I hope you're a fast reader. Um, now, once again, this will be a really, really quick one. I want you to turn to the people next to you one more time. Tell me what stands out. Name one thing, one thing that stands out to you about the early church here. All right, let's bring it back up to the front in three, in two, in one, and zero. Terrible students, okay, cool. One more time, three, two, one, back up to the front. Wonderful, eyes please, thank you, seventh grade. Um, cool, so a number of things um, that I see the early church um, doing here. One is devoting themselves to teaching, prayer, and fellowship. Right? That's the first thing that comes up. The second is everyone is filled with awe. There are signs and wonders. Everything, um, everything they had was in common, which means that they shared things among them. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They gave to the needy. They broke bread together in their homes. They met every day. Right? They uh, met consistently to do this. And their numbers were increased of those who were being saved. And I think this list, oftentimes churches will look at this list and they're like, we need them. We got to have all these things, right? We need to have this down. But I don't think this is prescriptive, right? So meaning this isn't like, if you don't have these, you're not a church, <laughs> right? Um, I don't think the Holy Spirit is like walking around with a list. It was just kind of like, um, do you got signs and wonders though? You know, uh, <laughs> no signs, no service, right? He's not, uh, that, that's not happening, 
right? But rather, this is a wonderful, um, I think, vision of what the church can be and what we should be aiming towards, right? Something that we should be moving towards and working towards as well. And the first thing that stands out to me is that devoting themselves to teaching, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, right? So they devoted themselves first before all of the other stuff, right? And I just found out this weekend, um, Russ, Russ likes to spit some, spit some Greek often, right? Uh, as you may know, right? And I found out that the word devoted, I don't remember. What is it? Proskotoreto. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and, and that word means to attach yourself to something. And, that, and I, had, I had never heard that before, right? De to be devoted to something, to attach yourself to something and say, I'm not letting this go. There is something good here. And I'm going to be here. I'm going to attach myself, devote myself, commit myself to this thing. And as we see, once there is a commitment there, the rest of it begins to open up, right? We have a group of people who are committed, committed to, to trying, but specifically trying together. Like we're going to listen to the teaching. We're going to, um, we're going to meet, we're going to fellowship, we're going to prayer, we're going to do these things and we're going to do them together. And then from there, the rest of the stuff start to flow forth right? The signs and wonders, the um, having everything in common, being close enough to people to do something like that. It begins first by making a decision. And uh, family, I can tell you, you can want home um, and you can call a place your home all you want. But that doesn't mean anything if you don't put the work in, right? Um, once you devote yourself to something, then it begins to open up. The most important things that will happen in your life will not happen by accident. Home doesn't happen by accident. Homes are built, right? They're worked, they're worked towards, right? And we'll be circling back to this idea a little more, right? The idea that homes are built, but um, I wanna focus on this passage now, the idea of everyone having things in common and selling everything to, the, selling everything to give to those in need, um, which is where I, I came up with like three benefits that I saw to having a church home. And the first one is that it keeps you cared for and supported, right? So the temptation with a passage like that one, when we hear things, it's a tunnel vision on the word property, we think of assets, liquid or otherwise, but I, I want to expand the notion of a property into our resources in general. These resources can be emotional, spiritual, financial, physical. It can be our time. There are so many ways that a church family can support and care for one another. And I can tell you firsthand what an incredible blessing it is to know that there are people who have your back, to know that um, there's somebody who's willing to sacrifice some of their resources for my well-being. Not out of pity or charity, right? But um, as Lila Watson, an activist, she says, um, she says, because your liberty is bound up with mine. That's why we do this giving back and forth. There's a freedom for both of us here, right? Um, it's, it's incredible. This life, this life, especially the Christian life, is never meant to be done alone. Right? We have to have people around us who are like, I got you. Right? That's incredibly important. I remember when we first moved to New York. Um, no, that's wrong. When we first moved into our 
uh, next apartment. I'm really bad with time. Never mind. Um, so the, when we moved into our, our recent apartment, right, we got this fat couch. Like, it was good. <laughs> like, the type that you just kind of, like, sink into, and it was, it was beautiful. Like, ah, uh, tears. Um, but uh, homie was too big <laughs> to fit into up the stairs. And, um, and so I was like, okay, I need help. I can't do this on my own. So I was like, okay, all right, call, 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 call. I called, um, I think the first person I called was Russ, right? And Russ, and Russ showed up and Russ showed up and we worked on that thing and we sweat together. And it was like, homie, this is too big. <laughs> so, Russ, so Russ went home. And I was like, okay, all right, next shift, next shift. Um, and uh, Zach Martin showed up. And we worked on it, we worked on it, and we worked on it. And he was like, homie, it's too big. <laughs> and, and, and he left. Um, and, then, and then finally, um, I, called, I called Tim, um, uh, Tim Miller. And I was like, buddy, bring some tools. <laughs> and he showed up, he showed up with like a saw and, and everything. He was like excited about it. It was, it was wild. And we cut that thing in half. We cut it all the way in the half. He was like, he was like, yeah, we're going to rebuild it together and all this stuff. And then I put it in the house and it was the ugliest thing I've ever seen. It didn't, it didn't fit and it wasn't right, but there was, and we, we ended up throwing it away. Oh my God. Um, but the, but what was important there, I was like, there was something so moving about people showing up over and over again for me, right? Um, and, and moving a couch maybe isn't that big of a deal, right? But it was a really huge deal to me, right? That's in my head, I was like, this is, that's home, right? Um, people who are there for you, who care enough about you to be there in times that are maybe a little ridiculous, right? But then it, get, it gets harder. Because in, in that instance, I could call anybody to like do that, right? You don't need a church home to get people to help you move your couch, right? But it's a lot harder for me to call someone up and say, hey, I don't believe in God today. <laughs> it's a lot easier to call somebody to help you move a couch than to have that conversation. Right? But when you have a church home, you have people who are in all different walks of life, right? with all different skills, people who are on this journey together, right? maybe at the beginning, maybe, um, maybe they feel super solid in their faith. Maybe they um, are going through a period of deconstruction and they also don't know. Maybe you need somebody who's going to sit with you in that space and say, yeah, I don't know. It's rough. It's tough. Maybe you need someone who's going to be like, I totally get what you're saying. I was there at one point. Let me pray for you. Let's, um, let's um, work through this together. When you have a church home, you have people who can spiritually be there for you in that place. And people from all over, right? Uh, all over the spectrum, which is incredibly important right? The diversity of this body, of having a church home, of having so many people that you can call, right? That you can meet with. It's huge. It is, it is huge. And, and this, and th that is work again, right? All of these benefits take work because you have to be open enough to, for somebody to see your needs in the first place. Right? If I'm not willing to call and say, yo, I'm stuck with this couch, I, I'm going to be stuck there by myself. 
right? But when we work, we commit to building relation with the people around us, to showing up, to being at table, to talking to people, sharing parts of ourselves that maybe we've gotten used to hiding. We can start to build the types of relationships in which we feel safe. We feel safe enough to express our doubts. We feel safe enough to express our, um, our needs. And, and, and this brings me then to the second benefit that I see, which is it keeps you outward focused, right? A church home um, kind of helps build this uh, servant's heart, right? If you're moving from church to chirp, church to chirp, church to church, um, or only stop in once in a while, um, like I said, it doesn't create that space for you to actually be in relationship with people. It takes, honestly, all the responsibility off of you and positions you as a consumer in the space rather than a partner or a family member. If you stick around any church long enough, any church, there's going to be a day where you show up and the sermon isn't for you. The worship doesn't hit you quite the right way. Right? You'll feel like you're not being fed in the way that you want it to happen. That will happen. It will. <laughs> there is no perfect church where every single day you feel completely like, yes, this is for me, right? But there is something about being in relationship with people that makes that okay because that day that you aren't the target, the day that that sermon doesn't hit you quite right, the music doesn't hit you quite right, the day um, that you're like, oh, there wasn't no vegan things up there, <laughs> right, um, at, for brunch. Somebody else is, is feeling that, right? In the, in the uh, Acts 2, 42 to 47, it talked about signs and wonders and being in awe of that, right? And oftentimes when we think of signs and wonders, we think of miracles, right? We want somebody to grow up. Uh, gosh, like we need a limb, like bring a whole limb back. Bring the, like, we want to see sight. We want diseases to go away and stuff like that. But sometimes, sometimes the signs, the sign and the wonder is that somebody who has not had peace for, for the longest time gets a moment of reprieve. Someone who has felt incredibly alone feels like they have a family for the first time. Someone who has spent their life hiding feels like they can finally set that burden down, right? Sometimes that is the sign. That is the wonder. And we get to look and we get to see that happening. And because it's happening for my family member, I am also filled with joy, I am filled with awe at the signs and wonders that is happening in that person's life. That then becomes just as good as me feeling it, right? That's what happens when you have a church home. Um, so if you've ever sat next to me um, during worship, I go off. I am singing, right? It gets, it gets loud and bad, but it's there. And that's because I love singing, <laughs> right? I love worship. And uh, throughout my life, that's always been the way that I connected, was just like, just like belting it out, just going for it, hitting the riffs, hitting one of these. Like, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I love it, right? But there was a day that I was sitting right there in that seat, and I was like, ah, I'm not feeling it today. I, it didn't hit me like it usually did. And I started to feel like, is this, is something wrong here? Is this, um, am, I, am I missing 
something. But then I, I turned off my voice. I stopped singing. And I heard the rest of you. I heard the rest of you singing together. Some with desperation and, um, and are crying. Other people, extreme joy and exuberance. All of it, all different people singing together. And that shook me, right? I started weeping because I was like, that is so good. It is so good that they're feeling the thing that, that I love about worship. I opened my eyes and I was able to see I was able to see the good work that God was doing and it filled me with joy. And when you have a church home, if you, if you only stop in once in a while, those type of relationships aren't built. Um, it becomes a lot about what, what you want and what you need in that moment. And when you're not satisfied, you're gonna feel like it's not good, right? And, and that's the consumer in us, right? The consumer wants to be satisfied, not saved. The consumer wants, um, what's the word? They, they, want, they want their needs met. And if the consumer's needs are not met, they write a bad review, <laughs> right? That's the consumer. It's like, I get what I deserve because I came here and I put in my time and I'm here in this space, right? But when you create a church home, suddenly it's less about um, whether I can get exactly what I want, but how can I, how can I work on this? How can I create the space for the people around me as well? This is why I think we see such great numbers when it comes to serving on teams, right? We were talking um, during the staff retreat about the vision for Brooklyn of this thing that we would love to see. And the vision that came up was the idea of everyone in a kitchen cooking together. And somebody's chopping the onions over here and somebody's um, browning the meat on this side and somebody's working with this stuff over here. And it's so good because everybody is putting a part into this, right? They're putting the work in because this is important, right? We create it. The family does the entire thing together and the church, a church home um, is the one place where I've felt that more than anything. I'm like, wow, I wanna serve I want to be more outward focused. And finally, the third benefit to having a church home is that um, it keeps you accountable through connection with other people. In Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now I'm a firm believer in the fact that you have to earn the right to speak into people's lives, right? Have you ever had somebody who um, was not close to you tell you how to live your life, right? It's like, okay, <laughs> for you, right? It's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't ring the same way, but if a friend, a close friend tells you, right, that something is off here, it carries a lot more, it carries a lot more weight. We take that, that conversation goes differently. And the fact of the matter is, is that it's easy to do what you want despite the consequences when you live in isolation. 
Left to our own devices, we don't always make the best decisions. When you have a church family, a place that you can call home, you have folks who are on the same path as you, they know the struggles and the pitfalls of the journey because they're going through it too. And they have been through it. And they're there to encourage us towards love when it's easier to hate, to invite us into prayer when it's easier to close ourselves off, to inspire us to serve one another when it's easier to just worry about ourselves, right? Accountability and like um, is a tough word um, in, a, in a church environment because I think in the past it's been used to hurt people a lot. It's been used as power plays, as these weird judgment zones. We're just kind of like, you're not very Christ-like right now, right? But when, it's, when you have a home somewhere with people that, that you love and that you're close to, right? That conversation goes so differently because honestly, sometimes I don't act very Christ-like and I need people to encourage me and inspire me away from that. Sometimes if I try to do Christianity by myself, and figure things out on my own, I'm going to start to sometimes head in really weird directions, right? It's very possible to stray from the path because I just know that that's human nature, right? I know it's in my nature. So I need other people, right, who are different from me, who think different from me in this space so I don't just end up this echo chamber of myself, right? We get to um, share this life with each other. And in that, we're pulled closer to God. And, and man, that's work, <laughs> right? I'm going to say it over and over again. It is work, but home has to be built. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen on accident, right? So when we talk about church, the benefits being care and support, help being outward focus, accountability through connection. Each one of them come connect back to that first, the, uh, first verse in Acts where it says we devote ourselves. We make a commitment to the community and we begin to see the fruits of that commitment. We begin to experience the true rest of being at home. And our hope here today is that this could be your home, right? That Hope Brooklyn could be home for you. And Hope Brooklyn is a young church. Um, in many ways, um, we're still building this home, right? It's still being put together. We don't have all the answers, but we've got something, right? We've got something, like I said at the beginning, that is good, right? So when we commit to that thing, we're like, okay, let's let's be here. Let's be present in this space. Then we can start to see the benefits of it. Right? We start to see the full fruit of having, the full and good fruit of having a home and having a place that we can rest our heads. And here at Hope Brooklyn, we've got three pillars. We're new and we're growing, right? So there's a lot of um, experimenting and, and changing and testing and, and stretching and growing that happens. But we have three pillars so that we know where we stand. So no matter where we go, we know, okay, here is our groundwork. This is where we grow from. Those pillars, you've maybe heard them before, um, but the first one being that we are crowds and disciples. Meaning you don't have to believe in order to belong. We want this space to be something that allows for a fluid spirituality. Jesus, while he was teaching, he had his disciples that were really close and they were all in at times. <laughs> and then he had the crowds, the people who were watching and they were like, 
there's something good here. And the crowds were, both the crowds and the disciples are engaging in uh, the miracles and the signs and the wonders that are happening, right? And the crowd's being drawn closer or they're like, no, this isn't really for us, right? And then they stepped in the opposite direction, right? But as crowds and disciples, we make room for all of those people. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room on the table. That's what that means, right? That is one of our pillars, the second one, um, we are community of the story. And this is the story of Jesus. Church, like I said, in many ways has, can devolve into just a religious experience, right? And it doesn't move into the real relationship of God, the gospel, the story, the matter that when we thought we needed to chase after God, God was already coming after us. The fact that we didn't need to have all the answers. We didn't need to have it all figured out. God was there. And we are a community of telling that story that God is among us. And we want to celebrate where we see it. We want to celebrate. We want to tell that story and share that story, right? And we want that story to change us, allow it to change us. And finally, the pillar, uh, our last pillar is we eat together face to face. We show up. We show up for each other in all of our brokenness. And let me, let me talk about eating real quick, right? So um, if you watch somebody eat chicken, right? Watching someone eat chicken is really telling, <laughs> right? Um, I'll give myself as an example because that's the um, polite thing to do. Um, don't catch me with a drumstick right? Because I'm like, I'm like turning that whole thing down. Like Lucy is literally like, you're disgusting. As I'm like biting the bone and like sucking the marrow out, there's good stuff in there, right? So, but I'm going downtown onto that. There's something about eating that is so vulnerable, right? And we are committed to doing that together, to looking at each other in our ugly, greasy little faces while we're shoveling that stuff down, vegan, gluten-free, whatever it may be, we meet there, right? And that's, uh, it seems like such a small, pithy thing, but it's so huge, right? And we want to make sure that that is a thing that we continue to do, that we continue to meet there at the table together, beyond the Sunday service, into the rest of the week, all of it, right? And, and that's who we are. That's who we are. Um, and if you're new, we're so excited to get to know you. We're so excited to... Um, introduce you to us. Uh, bring napkins. Um, if, if this is your, your first time here today, um, I want you to ask yourself, why are you here? What brought you here today? Why are you at a church today? Um, there's a lot of other stuff to do. <laughs> Why did, you, why did you choose here today? And then um, I, I believe that God is always speaking. It's a matter of not whether we're listening. What might God be telling you about this space, about Hope Brooklyn, right? What do you see? How does it meet or not meet your expectations, right? We have to ask ourselves these questions, interrogate it, so that we do not remain consumers of spaces. It gives us an opportunity to actually look deep and say, what is this? What am I doing? What do I want? What do I need? 
could this place be home for me? And your job is to grab that connection card. They're right there in your fanny packs. Grab one, write your name down, ask questions, push this experience. Don't allow this to just be another thing that you drop in on and it's nothing. There is something good here, but you gotta work towards it. And if you've been coming here for a while, you've been with us a few times and you aren't really sure what the next step is, but you want to be more connected, right? You feel like this, um, like this place could be home, but it's just, uh, it's, it's not quite there. My step for you is to join a table. Part of the issue, I think, where we can run into of um, coming here a few times and not really feeling connected is the fact that this Sunday service is just a, a small part of what it means to be a part of this family. But if you stick it all the responsibility on the Sunday, you will be dissatisfied. You will not be able to commit. It's like if you were going on a date with a person. This is a this is a this is an ad lib one. I haven't even I haven't even practiced this analogy, so it's gonna go great. <laughs> so it's like if you're going on a date like a dates with someone, but you only ever go to the same place, right? You always go bowling with this one person. Maybe they're just not a great bowler, you know? Uh, maybe they you gotta their dynamic and all these other different spaces kind of stretch it, right? We have tables that are all around the city where we're meeting together tables doing all sorts of different things. Your step when you leave here is to go right back there to that map. Find a table that is close to your house, right? On a day that you can make. Even if, even if it's tough, even if it's like, ah, I'd have to like maybe like squeeze that one into my schedule, squeeze that sucker in, right? Go there and take that step. And I promise that you'll see a little bit more of what this church family can be and it will help you in your decision-making process, right? We don't just want you to stay um, kind of in limbo here. Take that step. It's a very, very important one to having a home. And there, there, there are so many, um, I, I think there's so many of us that are kind of waiting for a push, Right? So come here, let me push you. I, <laughs> I, will kick, I will kick your butt right off the cliff. Like, <laughs> go, join a table, write your name down. It's not a, a betrothal to marriage. Like you, you, even if it go there, try it out. If it doesn't work, there are other tables that you can try out and things like that, but do not allow yourself to sit, right? If you sit and you, this will dissatisfy you. It will dissatisfy you if you don't make the move to get into real community with people, to open yourself up to that experience. Um, the, the band can come up now. But if this is your home, right? If you call Hope Brooklyn your home, you've been coming here for a while. I got a lot more steps for you, <laughs> right? Um, and I think... If you've been here and this place has meant something to you, it's time that you took ownership of it. Like I said, Hope Brooklyn's a new church. There's so much that could change. There's so much growing that we're doing. 
You have to be a part of that growth. Do not fall into the pit of seeing a thing for a while and being like, well, that's not so great. I, I don't quite like this. Um, things aren't working in the way. I wish that we did more of this stuff. Um, I wish that we had um, this type of theology, you know, and things like that. If you've been here and this is your home, it is your home. Ask questions on your spiritual response card. Put the question down. Make leadership sweat. <laughs> right? Like force us into the position where we have to say this, these are people who are here and this is their home and we're building it together, right? Don't, don't complain on your own about what it could be or what it's not. Step in and get to work, right? It doesn't work to live in a house where everyone else's stuff is all over the place and you don't got no stuff there, Right? Um, if it's, uh, um, we had, uh, we, we roomed with um, Zoe and Amanda, you guys know them, but it was very, and Lucy and I have this picture of us um, from our engagement that we put everywhere. <laughs> right? Um, but if somebody came into that house to visit them and they just see a bunch of pictures of us, <laughs> they're like, oh, this is Lucy and Joseph's house. Right? It was very important, right? Which was, it was good because they brought their own stuff in and they were like, our pictures go here, we have this furniture and stuff like that. It made it feel like it was more than just one person's thing. This is your home, bring your stuff. It's incredibly important. The next step I have for you is to join a team. Serve, make it happen. If you are in a kitchen and people are cooking for a dinner for you, you best pick up a knife you better do some dishes or something, right? It's the entire family makes it happen. You have, you have so much, you have so much to give, right? So step, step into that. Um, and for some of you that may look like tithing as well. The space needs to be held up. If you're going to, maybe it's pitching in that $5 so that we can get the good meat and not, and not the bad one, right? To, to create that space. If you call this place your home, you have the most responsibility here. Let's build something good. Pray with me, family. God, it can be so difficult sometimes to take a step, um, a step towards something um, that we're not completely sure about. It can be hard to put ourselves out there for people who we may not know very well, a space that is new and that is budding, Lord. And I know that many of us, myself included, have been burned by churches. I've been in situations where uh, I gave myself fully and I wasn't treated very well. There was pain and there was hurt there. God, and I thank you. I thank you for the healing that you have brought into my life. And I thank you that that healing looked like me making tangible steps towards something better. Lord, I pray for all of us that we don't sit on our hands and hope that this thing works out. But I pray that we look at a place that could be home and say, yeah, 
I'm in. I'm in. Lord, we are ready to test you. We are committing with expectation. Do what you said you will do. Be who you say you are. Meet us. Meet us, Lord. And we will shout your name from the rooftops. Meet us here, Lord. And we will tell the world about your goodness. God, we are ready. We are ready. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's sermon. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn, details about Sunday worship and brunch, to subscribe to our other podcasts, and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.